everyone and welcome to International Corner, the podcast that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here speaking. And well, today is a little bit special because I am officially closing season one. 21 episodes. Wow. Honestly, the first thing coming to my mind right now, it's simply a heartfelt thank you. Thank you, because I know that podcast audiences are really hard to get feedback from. I mean, let's be honest, we usually just listen to episodes on the go, and we rarely take the time to leave feedback or comments to the host. And I'm so thrilled that some of you did. It's really what keeps me going, knowing that you are learning from my guests. So thank you, and please keep sharing with me both positive and constructive feedback because it's so helpful. Anyway, for the end of the season, I've created a special episode that sums up five aspects to consider to successfully launch any international markets. You'll hear a computation of pieces of advice from most of the guests that I received in this podcast so far. And the five aspects we are going to deep dive in today are one, plan your market expansion. Two, focus on people and culture. Three, leverage marketing early. Four, create influence in the new markets. And five, leverage partnerships. Enjoy this episode. All right, let's start with the first piece of advice. Plan your market expansion. Before getting into the execution piece of your expansion journey, it is important to carefully plan it. In episode 9 of International Corner, Amin walks us through the five-step framework to build your sales strategy to go international. And here is a snapshot of it. And the strategy has five steps. The first step is very simple, is what are your goals? Uh, and by goals, it's very important to define success. So that's the, the step number one. Now that we uh, defined our goals and we picked uh, what success looked like, the second step will be where to play. And by where to play is basically where would you like to uh, be present, geographically speaking. Uh, so where are your customers today? Um, what do they like? Uh, where is the hidden gem? Because maybe uh, let's assume that the competitors are present in one specific country, uh, but this country is saturated. Does it worth it for us to go? The third step is how to win. So now that we have set up our goals, we know where to play, it's basically how to win. And here there are two key components, which is to Identify the competitive advantage we have because that will uh, sharpen the value proposition that we have, right? And the second key component is which are the, the key activities that are required to win the where to play. So here, based on uh, a specific market country that we launch, uh, have we... Uh, done the SWOT to measure the legal aspect of things? Have we uh, thought of the, uh, the way we do business in a specific country? Number four, um, 
so we set the how to win. Uh, number four is the required capabilities. By required capabilities, what do we mean? We mean what is the business model that you will launch? What, uh, what are the gaps between what you can do and what, uh, what is needed for the, for, uh, for the market? Uh, we can also start talking about people, systems, uh, resources, head, headcount planning, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so based on the required capabilities, we can now have a clear roadmap and start really w- working on the tactical things and on the execution piece. And the execution piece is now that we know what are the goals, where to play, how to win, what we have to do, we can decide how many p- people have to focus on this market. We can um, start um, uh, connecting the risk of the market and our uh, set of actions. We can also uh, think of, in terms of measurement, how are we going to measure uh, individually the people that are going to work on this market. The, the plan is like a compass. It's not... Uh, it's not a map going from point A to point B. It's more a compass to show the, the direction. Similarly, in episode 5, Fernando highlights the importance of market research during the planning phase at part 2. For now, let's go where the big clients are. Uh, let's go where the vast amount of point, point of sales are and also where we can... Uh, have an acceptance of our solution with a good purchasing power that tells us, okay, we can actually uh, develop this this market quickly. This is an essential part. This is what this is what this is the market study that is done is understanding who the logos are, who can we work with here, do they already have a solution, and so it takes an immense amount of uh, of, of of really strategy analysis. Um, looking up what the what is there uh, because our competitors are great as well you know we need to see what do they do so well that part two could do as well or could do better and so this is not just one market this is times 10 and times three because we have three com- three competitors per market now we are going to piece of advice number two focus on people and culture If there is one aspect in this podcast that everyone agrees on is that people and culture are crucial to make it happen. In episode 19, Quentin highlights the importance for Malt to have someone from the headquarters within a country launching team and not to wait until you hire a country manager to start opening the country. Ideally, you, you, you find your country launcher uh, in your team, uh, someone who has already been in the company for one or two years. Um, <clears throat> it depends on uh, what are the key um, drivers for a launch. If you are more a marketing-driven company, maybe someone from marketing uh, should be your country launcher. Okay. Uh, but for Malt, uh, usually we have either um, business developers, so people who worked in sales, Uh, preferably with a consulting background. So someone who did a bit of consulting, then business development is perfect. Um, Or someone from uh, the sales operations team. Um, So we have an operations team at Malt, um, people with uh, startup experience or um, consulting experience, 
who are basically super uh, project managers. They can do pretty much everything. Uh, they can handle clients. They can handle freelancers. They know perfectly how the processes and the tools are working. Uh, they can uh, uh, work uh, autonomously on uh, analysis. Um, and um, <clears throat> so these two profiles for me are very relevant to, to launch a market. But anyone in your company who is really has an entrepreneurial mindset uh, and who understands uh, the choices that you've made uh, will be a good choice to, to launch a country. Being an entrepreneur, of course, is super important. A good project manager, autonomous, is uh, important as well. And you also recruit in parallel local, local people. Um, mm -hmm. So you still recruit your country manager, you recruit your business developers. And same thing, you know, for the recruitment, don't wait until you recruit a country manager to recruit the rest of the team. It can sound a bit uh, unconventional mm -hmm. that a country manager does not recruit his own team. But it takes nine months, one year to recruit a country manager. You don't have this time when you're in a startup. Um, so now you recruit a team and, and, and then uh, uh, what is good is that people you recruit can also interview their future boss. Uh, and, and it's good to make sure that there is a right culture fit. Um, and it's also reassuring when you have a country manager who comes into, uh, into a country. There are already a few employees there, uh, already a bit of revenues maybe. Uh, already a localized product. So it shows also to potential country managers that you are serious about it. Uh, and mm -hmm. it helps you also to attract uh, potentially better profiles. Well, we all agree this was the best case scenario, right? When you can send someone from your team there. But don't worry, you can still make it work. Even if you don't have someone from your headquarters to send to that new country that you want to open, it's fine. You'll just have to put some extra effort and money to hire the right country manager. And Aleta shares her input from the several countries they have launched so far with Algolia in episode 15. It really only starts with the hiring. And I want to say that for every single territory that we open, really. It's, it's always going to be based on how experienced the first person you have is on that territory. So yes, you have to invest heavily as well yep. in finding the right person and not settle for someone that's kind of halfway what you need, right? Uh, and yeah, the, there, there's no way around it. You have to spend a, a lot of money in hiring the first <laughs> right person that's done it before and that will put you in front of the right future partners or the right future people that's, um, that's going to resell Algoya for you in that territory. More generally speaking, if you hire internationally, no matter the target market, you have to focus on hiring people that fits your company codes and culture. Nadia, in episode 5, pinpoints all soft skills that they're looking for whenever they are hiring salespeople at Lemlist, whatever the markets they come from. So I would say that I'm lucky because I'm hiring in sales. I would say that for different teams, it's a different story because uh, obviously, like, uh, let's say you're hiring developers, developers can be introverted. Like it's a different, just different mentality within the developers, but salespeople tend to have more or less similar personality. Uh, and we know what we're looking for when it comes to the soft skills. So we're always looking for people that have empathy, they're able to communicate. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, no matter the nationality and their own personal um, way of thinking and working, we know what we want from the uh, salesperson in a way that he will communicate or she will communicate eventually with the sale with a with a prospect. Hiring is a two way street, right? Therefore, you want to make sure that the candidate has the right cultural fit by asking them 
a lot of questions, but you should also let the candidate see your culture through the hiring process. So that way they can decide if that is what they're seeking. Something Tim Taylor does well, and Rebecca explains how in episode eight. What we try and do is share a feeling of who we are as a company to be able to attract people that are sort of, that want a bit of fun, they want to be able to um, use their skills and be part of something, you know, that's changing the way of work with our modern platform, you know, which is a bit of a point of difference in the market. I think people want something that is different. It is not something that's based in their local market. Some people want that, some people don't. I think it's finding those people that go, okay, I'm really curious. I really want to learn about, you know, a company that's based up in Europe. Um, I've got opportunity here. And I think through, you know, advertising and and through video and and our content and we get to show who we are and, and, and it's a bit of a point of difference with attracting local people but working for a Swedish company. The third piece of advice is to leverage marketing early. I think this is one of the mistakes that is most often made at the start of any global expansion project. Seriously, how many times have I heard companies telling me they started with album-only outreach at the beginning, and a few months later, they decided to involve marketing as well, only to wish they had done it sooner? Well, in episode 11, Stephanie from Spen Ideas details everything you can do to leverage marketing with a very limited budget at the early stages of internationalization. But as I was opening countries, I had also to do marketing because I had nobody to help me. And I'm sure you can relate to that, and a lot of people can relate to that. You are in front of a blank page, and it's amazing, but actually you are alone. And you only have your probably uh, your Excel or sheet or your your prospect list, but you don't know where to start. You don't know how to uh, um, to get into the country. And even if you are very good sales, you will do it. Obviously, there's no problem about that. But marketing will make things much easier, and quicker, and faster. And that's all the all the point about and all the, the beauty of it. Uh, we have so much data, so much platforms and tools available for free right now. It's much easier to do marketing or communication without involving a lot of budget. And building up your brand awareness, your visibility, your credibility um, in a way that is consistent, that is aligned with the, the work you have Uh, I mean, we have, we have 24 hours in a day. You can't do everything. So uh, uh, it really uh, helps you to speed up some, some processes, for example. There is a lot of different contents available nowadays. We are on a podcast. There is the videos. There is um, a still blog post, uh, written articles, but also white papers, uh, success cases, whatever. You, you, you name it. Um, so the question is, what is the best for, for, for my brand? And this is what marketing uh, will help you to, uh, to, uh, to define. Um, and it, it's also about uh, mixing this different uh, way of communicating and creating content. It's not because we are having a podcast right now that we should not write an article about it. Or it's not because you are making a video that you, can, you cannot do something, a podcast with it. Uh, 
So I think it's, it's, it's important because it's also a way to be more productive. Um, the, key, the key element about content is that you can reuse it, recycle it like a lot of times. And then you need to know where to publish it. But this, you decide it all at the beginning when you decide what kind of content, what kind of subject you are going to talk about, what is interesting for your country, uh, if you have the information already and, uh, and the images and everything that all the content resources that you need is available, and when you are going to publish it. Once you have your editorial calendar down with all this inside, then it makes it much easier to, to be more um, productive with, uh, with this content creation. We, you have to choose also perhaps the, uh, the, the, the type of content where you feel more comfortable. Perhaps it's not read, writing, perhaps it's, um, it's something else, it's a video or a or podcast. But then it takes more time, we know that as well. So you have to always make the balance regarding the time I had, the time allowance and the no budget we have, what can I get out of it uh, most? So um, articles are still often a right way to, um, to get content out there. Trade shows, fairs are also a great way to give presents, to give, um, um, it, it requires a bit of budget, depending if you are going, or if you, except if you just go as a visitor, which is something I was used to do as well at the beginning. Um, but then people show your face and, and see your face, sorry, and show your, and you show your, um, your company and, and you are getting visible on the market. And, and, and you must not uh, forget that sell, as, a sales, as a salesperson, you are also a marketing tool, actually, because you represent your brand, your company, your home country culture. And this um, is really important. It's important as a sales professional, but it's also important as uh, the image and, again, the message, the voice, the attitude you will, you will, uh, you, you will show to, um, to your prospect, to, um, to the industry, to, uh, to all kinds of, uh, of people you can meet during these uh, this big events or small events. Networking is important. In addition to her insights, Shiraz shares what they could have done differently with PaperNest in Germany by involving marketing earlier in their country launching journey. To not only rely on outbound sales, to not only rely on cold calling as your only acquisition strategy, especially in Germany, it's not something that's very well seen. I think if the pitch works well, It's something that can be great, but you need to you need to have other other acquisition strategies. You need to I would have I probably would have allocated some budget to to do email marketing campaigns. I think those can work very well if they're well combined with cold calling, for example. So that's something I would have done. I would have spent way more time on branding partnerships, but also create content with these people, do webinars with these people, just show yourself with those branding partners that you've that you've acquired post on LinkedIn have a bit more presence in that sense piece of advice number four create influence in a new market networking is key in launching a new market I believe no one could deny this fight and although we all know there is no one-size-fits-all solution 
Carlos explained how he started to generate business for himself and for his clients by leveraging the power of networking in episode 20. I think it goes back, first off, I think it goes back to how I felt when I arrived in Denmark and I felt invisible. I felt I was uh, no one. I felt I, was, I didn't have a network. So I was like, what am I going to do here? Uh, but why, why I think building influence is in a new market is important or it's something that matters to me. Because if you don't build your networks of influence and if you don't become visible in a certain market, first off, um, I think you're just going to be that same Joe like as any other one that is just sending cold emails as I was doing back when I arrived in Denmark. So I think it's very important to understand that in the new market, you're the new kid on the block and you need to be very respectful towards the people that you're trying to build those relationships with. There's a different, uh, there are different cultures uh, or cultural aspects to doing business abroad. There are uh, different ways of approaching people and that's massive learning. But I think at the end of the day, we are dealing with other human beings. So if we understand the human nature, the human nature of building relationships, you know, like uh, that humans are social animals, <laughs> I, I believe uh, we, we start in a, in a very good place. But another way to go about it is finding local consultants who are connected. And these local consultants, usually I like, I wrote a post one day on LinkedIn saying that you have the prima donna sort of uh, partners that you want to partner with. But since you're no one, <laughs> you know, and I'm being very, very gross in my uh, um, statement here. Um, but you're going to be invisible. And, and, and the prima donna partners, they might, they tend to ignore you. But then you have the local consultants and small boutique ones, which usually are former heads of. These guys uh, or gals, uh, they, they used to be heads of marketing, heads of e-com, maybe uh -huh. CMOs. They are now consultants. They are now doing their own gig. They are a great way for you to... Um, to start those very valuable relationships because they are known in the market, they are influential, they have the respect, and now they're doing their thing. So they could be a really interesting way for you to get um, in a new market with some really interesting cases with, uh, with someone that is already respected in that market. There are multiple ways to create influence in a new market. And Maria Elena stresses the importance of building communities with social media. It was key to do business in a new market for UPs. So we started using a lot the social media. Uh, when we start, when we, I remember when we launched Portugal from scratch, from the B2C, we literally opened many Facebook groups uh, in order to To, to have uh, many babysitters chatting inside the group. Uh -huh. And then uh, we shared all the new job offers, offers from families. And uh, I, re I remember we, um, we actually called the people. So it was, it was like the cold calling, but for our community, uh -huh. engaging them personally, telling them that, uh, that it's, a uh, it's a matching platform, but we are, um, I'm going to say, very strict on, on this transparency and, and trust and, and, and control. So 
like that. Uh, let's say, yeah, Facebook groups and, 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 and calling. And of course, uh, with the rating systems, um, you know, in every country, people looking for a job, want to understand how to, how to, to find a job quicker, uh, but in a trusty uh, environment. So we could provide that. And that's how we, like, you know, we have some, some people in our, some users looking for a job or new job every year since, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And we can count on them not only on the major cities like in Europe, but also like you know in small, medium. Uh, um, so it's 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 very good and really spread on the territory. Of course, it takes time, mm-hmm. but has been one of our uh, focus uh, while opening a new country. Then, of course, when you have m- hundreds and thousands of users, then things go a little bit on their own. So we could like defocus a little bit on that. Yeah. But at, at least, let's say, six months from like one year, uh, it was super important. Yes. Okay. And this was obviously from, you know, like when you started with the B2C product, as you mentioned, and those people from the community, did you, you know, like, uh, did you also like use them for the B2B one? How did that combine? Like, do you have like actual community for the B2B product or or not? Not. Not in particular. It's it's the same community. Of course, we uh, we we use them like a testimonials sometimes. Okay. Uh, or in order, like you know, to provide some services, and we were sure that they could guarantee uh, like you know, the best the best services. Um, so yeah, it, I, I think it's 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 a little bit the, the same source of you okay. know of community, and. Uh, and yes, and, and, and it's very easy for like the B2B clients to, to see immediately like the effort we put and immediately like the good profiles we have and, and how it works. So yeah, one thing leads to another. And the fifth and final piece of advice of this episode is to leverage partnerships. How does the saying go again? Alone, we go faster but together we go further. Building alliances is absolutely key to succeed internationally. Diego discovered this very early on on his journey of opening the UK market. This was instrumental in getting Tim Taylor to reach 6.5 million of annual recurring revenue in four years. And this was his tale in episode 13. What really, really worked for us to get from nothing to something, right, was was actually a partner. Uh, was actually um, I remember having a, a chat with uh, one of my mentors um, who uh, had worked in the UK for a very long time um, in business development, and I asked, you know, what is the secret here? And he said, you know, what this is like the UK market is is very much about who do you know. And, and is your product good enough to be, you know, like referred by this person to others, right? And that, you know, took us from five customers in a month now to 10 customers in a month because they had a bigger team that were speaking with a lot of customers, right? Um, and then the outbound was still yielding maybe one or two customers per month, right? But it's okay. all about like that snowball effect, right? It's all about like, uh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, you go from five to ten, and then you keep it at ten consistently, and then and then all of a sudden you add another partner, and that gives you another five, uh, and so on, right? 
it's good to discover it along the way, but even better if you can plan your partnership strategy early. Paul has created an entire career around alliances and highlights how you can leverage the ecosystem of bigger companies when you're small in episode 12. And I think partnerships are an absolutely super and very powerful way for smaller companies, startups and scale-ups to approach uh, other markets and to approach markets they want to enter. And the reason is with partnerships, there's an opportunity to trade what you are good at and what your competencies are for the competencies of another company to, to make that kind of deal. And it can be so powerful. You have the opportunity to make an alliance between a small company with a really differentiated, innovative technology, but without a lot of routes to market and make a, a make a partnership with a company that has the opposite, that has a good implementation in a foreign market, has implementations, has uh, customers, has ways to approach customers, is inside the circle of trust of customers. And they need what you have and you need what they have. And that ability to, to find those partnerships can create situations that are super powerful in terms of allowing a startup or scale up to get quickly in front of a customer to be positioned in the correct way. That's, you know, I've seen I've seen startups go from practically nothing outside their home company to be country to being a worldwide force, literally, because of the partnerships they were able to uh, they're able to forge. You've, you've really got to start, like I said, with, with that ecosystem. So you've really got to see everything around your product and service. What other products and service, what other companies are adding value to the area your value, you're adding value to? What larger solution do you form a part of? And understanding beyond that, what strategies are available to you, therefore, within the way people work within the strategic area, within the solution area in which you're working. And if you look at the market you're looking to go into and you look at the value prop, sorry, you look at the, the value prop you have, you look at your differentiation, you look at your positioning, and you see what are other companies in that area doing? What strategies are they adopting? And therefore, what strategies can we adopt? What should we go for? And really getting that set. So I think that's the, the strategic analysis. That's really first. Then once once you've got that down, it's it's execution time. So then it's really a matter of going out and approaching those potential partnerships and doing that in the most efficient way you can do it. What what you want to offer to your potential partners in a market is your innovation, your way of doing things, your differentiation, and to allow those partners to, to profit from what you have invested in, what you have invented, what, what you have innovated, and to allow them to have differentiation. You know, one obviously is if you can find a connection with a, a multinational partner that you have in your own country and then spread that out, that's the, often the lowest hanging fruit, right? So, so one, leveraging networks that already exist. Those might be networks within other companies. Those might be networks within associations. You know, there, there's technical type associations. Um, there are, uh, you know, all kinds of networks out there. there. Another big thing that I do, one of my really personal favorites is using the news because and when you read a um, an article in the press and a specialized press around the area you're in and you read someone quoted, then that person was quoted because they want to be 
you know, they want to be recognized. And I often reach out to people who are quoted in press articles around the area I'm, I'm in. To sum up, whenever you want to launch a new market, here are the five pieces of advice shared in season one of International Corner for you to consider. Number one, plan your market expansion. Number two, focus on people and culture. Number three, leverage marketing early. Number four, create influence in the new markets. And number five, leverage partnerships. The good news is, if you want to deep dive in any of these tips, feel free to explore the whole episode of the guests that shared some insights that felt the most relevant to your situation specifically. Again, thank you so much for being a regular listener of International Corner. As I mentioned earlier, your feedback is very valuable. So if you have any or even any wish of a topic to be addressed in this podcast, feel free to reach out to me anytime on LinkedIn, Tiffany Lowe. And I guess I just have to tell you now to get ready for season two as it is coming very soon. Bye-bye.